just relax, take it easy, no matter what going on, I'm still getting mine, still, Take it post. Ha, 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 ha. No one is back. What you waiting for? Got a style on Matt. Matt, don't like it. Oh, my God. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Danger. Take it personal. Yo, 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 yo. Yeah, this is DJ Premier. Take it personal radio. Y'all always doing the damn thing. And y'all need to listen up. All right, yo. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you motherfuckers are tuned in. Because right now, if you don't know what the fuck is about to go on, bitch. Take it personal with my boy full of flavor, Kev Law, A. Aaron, Roger D. Announcer, and DJ 360 with his thinking ass. Personal. Take, 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 Boy foul March, you already know what it is. Like now you're taking out the take it personal show. Nothing but the real hip-hop. The revolution is here. No doubt, no doubt. Y'all care anymore about this hip-hop man? Yo, this is KRS-One. Check it out, this is Marco Polo. Yo, check this out. It's the soul brother number one, Pete Rock. Yup, y'all know the name. Right now you're tuned in to take it personal. Basically, they know what the fuck they're doing, and you don't. So pay attention. You might learn something. <laughs> And now, our exclusive interview with R.A., the Rugged Man, here on Take It Personal. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest, one of my favorite lyricists today, Mr. R.A., the Rugged Man. How you doing, man? Everything's really great. Everything's good, you know. As good as it could be under the circumstances, you know, but we're, we're all holding up. Everything's all right, you know? Well, you must be doing really well considering the the overwhelming amount of outpour that this album, All My Heroes Are Dead, in stores now, by the way, is receiving. Well, you know, it just, I did my job, you know, and when you do your job, you know, you did something quality. Uh, it's good when your fans agree with that. You know, you, you did, you're making the music for your fans. You know, there's a lot of people depending on you to be this you know, uh, super MC, and they're really dependent on you bringing out this quality work. And then, you know, if you put something out and there, there are a lot of disappointment and this and that, you know, uh, it's not a good feeling. So the fact that, you know, I got hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of fans telling me it's uh, the greatest album they could imagine. It's better than any album they've ever heard. Like, it's like really ridiculously hype uh that they're feeling from this album so yeah it feels good that your work is being appreciated by the people you made it for you know you mentioned feeling when i listen to this album i kind of get the same feeling i got when uh massa h dropped a brooklyn story or gangstar dropped one of the best yet and ironically they ended up being you know my favorite albums of the year it's a little early and i know we're on some interesting times but nobody, right now no, nobody's fucking with my Right now, right now, I think uh, it's in. Right, uh, now? right like, now, it's in. It's like a number December, one position. December, somebody else is gonna make. No, come on, I got everybody. Fuck them all. <laughs> right now, <laughs> like what next month? Gonna do better. Well, well you, you may have an overwhelming amount of albums that drops this fall because of what's going on. Yeah, who and who? Who could compete? Right I, I don't know. You know, 
I, I got to say this because you, you, you kind of just showed. I'm, re- I'm, I'm ready yeah. to obliterate them all. Fuck them you, all. You showed. Fuck you all, showed fuck the- all these overhyped puppet ass motherfuckers. You know. Yeah, they got bigger hey, machines. Man. They got bigger hype. They got better publicists. They got all of that special shit. They got people buying numbers so their numbers look better. They got all of that fake ass shit. But we're just. We're just. A, I'm just a guy. In his fucking house, going to the studio, making a song and, and releasing the fucking album, you know? So, like, all the hype around my shit is just from word of mouth, not no bullshit, fake-ass hype campaigns that, that are created from non-real hype, you know? So, fuck the rest of them. Fuck all y'all. So, you just displayed one of the reasons why I like you, because you are an honest, I don't give a fuck kind of a guy. So, with that said... All right. It's got to bother you. And I'm not going to put words in your mouth. So let me just rephrase that. I would think it might bother you when on the same day, a West Side Gun drops an album and he's now like the next thing since since Rock Kim. No, in people's it, doesn't, eyes. it doesn't bother me at all because I make a high, high caliber level of music. I don't look at the nobody as competition for me. I work, I work, I put out my product. It, any, it don't matter who comes out the same day as me. It doesn't affect what I do. I make my music. My fans come to it or they don't, or, or they don't come to it. But like it, it, it does. None of it bothers me. You know, it, it, what are you going to do? You know, you got you got people coming out with records. But, but my job is to make sure mine is the highest caliber at what I do. And, and I do that, you know. Certainly from a lyrical standpoint, you know that you are a more talented MC and you you have to think that more people should resonate with the material that you're dropping, especially at this level. Well, of, and, of, of course, um, but that's not how the world works. The world, true. Is, the world is about selling and, and presenting and, and feeding the, the fucking empty brains that want to be told what they need to like. That's what the world is. That's the world we live in. So it's not like, you, you know, you, you, you give uh, the average person a Michael Bay movie or a Federico Fellini movie. They're going to watch the fucking Transformers. Does that mean that, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, like uh, I'm, I'm not affected by that. That don't affect me. It used to affect me when I was younger, when I'd be like, wow, I'll eat that rapper. I'll eat this rapper. I'll destroy that rapper. But no, nah, it don't bother me no more. You, you, at some point, you got to go, that's the way the world is. Let, let everybody have their own shine, and, and you do what you do best, all right, you know? But your main focus has always been quality, whether it was quality lyrics, quality producers, just the whole thing. And listen, you've worked with, no offense, probably one of the best lyricists of all time. I mean, with Biggie on uh, Cunt Renaissance, but uh, Big himself always gave you props for right, for your writing skills. Are there big, any Biggie stories that you can share with us since we all miss him and would love some insight to the relationship you had with him? Well, Biggie, we were kids. It was a different time, you know. It's like you don't know when you're kids that, uh, you know, 20-something, 30 years, how many years later is it? When did he pass away? 90 seven uh when did he blow up 94 five 94 so so 25 26 years later you don't think you don't know back then that oh in in 20 you know uh quarter of a century from now the whole world is gonna look 
at everybody, you know, like an iconic fit. You, you don't know what the future holds. You know, you look at somebody like, oh, this is another rapper. This is another person that dope spitter. So, um, bit, we were kids, man. I mean, one thing I can tell you is big was smarter than me at the time. He was more mature than me. I, I was a, a, a crazy, you know, maniac, uh, uh, immature, childish, you know, destroyed my own fucking life type of guy, you know? Crustified dip! Biggie kind of had his shit together, and I guess it's a little bit of the hustle in him, you know? Mm-hmm. And he kind of, he knew, you know, how to play the game. I didn't. I was a maniac, you know? And, you know, he he had the right team and the right right people really working his shit and 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 put him in there with the easy mobs, giving him you know, Biggie really had uh, you know, just 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 had his shit together. He was a smart, dope ass human being, you know. But the thing we forget is that he died at twenty four years old. Now, how many twenty four year old kids would you take serious now that were grown ups? You'd be like a fucking twenty four year old kid. Like these kids, the kids that we didn't, they didn't get to live at all. Tupac, what was what was he? Twenty five. Yeah, twenty five. They did it. They were children. They didn't get to live, man. It's crazy. So, uh, you know, look, think about how much you've learned since from from fifteen to twenty five to twenty five to thirty five. You, you know, from thirty five to however the fuck old you guys. Yeah, are. it's a constant ev- so, evolution for sure. Yeah, so so Biggie was a child, man, and and we were children. You're in the studio. We're all you know, competitive in our minds and going at each other. And, you know, we, uh, it is what it is, but, uh, you know, obviously it's an honor that I, I got to know the man and, you know, he used to call me and, you know, uh, we used to have conversations and, and, and I could proudly call him my friend and, and, uh, uh, he's, a, he's a legendary iconic figure in this culture forever, you know, and his face is all over the globe forever. So, you know, rest in peace to Mr. Christopher Wallace, the young baby boy, young baby boy, man. Imagine all that fame and uh, in the world loving your son. And and then his mama had to, his mother had to bury him, you know, just when she sees the whole world loving him, you know, little Christopher, man, 24 year old baby boy. That's what he really was, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. Well, let's segue from uh, to Biggie to this. In 1994, I'm holding the single in my hand, the Crustified Dibs. <laughs> it was produced by none other than Poke from Trackmasters. Poke and ironically, I, I thought they were both there. No, I don't. I, nah, Poke. So I, I have two questions wait, about the uh, single. Po- Poke and Tone were both in the studio. It doesn't say Tone on it. It just says Poke. Wow. Yeah. What I think might have happened was, I guess they'd make beats. Maybe Polk would make some, Tone would make some. And then when they record it and put it together, they'd both be in the studio because Tone was there the whole time when we made that record. So, ah, 
Well, it, on this on the single, definitely says Poke. I know when they did yeah, shit what for I'm is, what, what I'm saying is Poke probably did the beat and and was getting the credit for the beat. That, that that's uh, what I imagine. I'm guessing now. This is a million years ago. You well, know. you know who had the biggest hit in 1994 for Biggie? It was Poke for Juicy. So in '94 you had Juicy and then you had Bloodshed Hua Hua. So. It's a pretty interesting track record because he also had Soul For Real and Mary J. I want to know, before we kind of get into the new material, just take us back to the Jive days, the Barry Weiss days. You were on a record label with what's considered one of the best, you know, outside of like your Def Jams for hip hop. You know, I mean, you had a lot of heavyweights on that record label. So what was it like at that time being a part of Jive um, and going through that whole process? Uh... Eh, you know, I wasn't a fan of the record labels from the, the first second, you know. There was a lot of gross, disgusting, foul, um, fake uh, shit, you know. So you go there, and I was a teenager dealing with these devils. So you sign a deal as a teenager, and, and uh, then they want to control you, you know. So... Yeah, I, I I wasn't like wow, I met a label with good artists. I was like, no, nah, I'm 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 signed to fucking devils. What the fuck did I do? You know, they had a, a history of kind of capitalizing on a lot of white rappers or even white music. Like you know, uh, Kid Rock was signed to, to Jive, Whitey Don, Insane Clown Posse, and then of course years later you had the whole pop invasion with Britney, Insync, and, and Backstreet Boys. Obviously, you knew from the jump that this wasn't the right fit for you and you were young and jive is still the label of you know tribe called quest and krs and jazzy jeff fresh prince two short school ed when you yeah spice one shack keith murray yeah steady b everybody so the the original the original jazzy jeff (laughs) yeah I think Souls was on there too. Right? Jazzy J, I think, was on there too, maybe. Souls of Mischief. The, yeah. the point, Souls of Mist. The point is, still leaving that record label. Um, just, just take us. I don't want to ask you the same questions everyone asks, but I just want to get inside your head. What was it like? You're still young, even though you weren't happy with the label. It's still a pretty powerful record label, and and your future is in the hands of these people. Uh, that album didn't see the light of day. Well, the, you dropped the single that I just referenced. But during that time, what was it like? Were you maybe like, I'm contemplating st- quitting rapping? Or was it like, I'm just going to, you know, find a new home that could appreciate and see the vision that I have? Uh, it's a long story. But, uh, you know, I was mentally unstable, too, you know, and I had a fucking record label. Uh and, and, you know, when you don't care, I don't care about life the next day. Never mind. Oh, a powerful fucking label. Like, what the fuck is a powerful label? All the powerful label is, is a bunch of fucking people. Like, nothing so powerful about people. Fuck people, you know? So I wasn't, I wasn't like, wow, this powerful machine can really kill my career. I, I didn't give a fuck. I didn't, I didn't care if I, if I lived another day. So what the fuck do I care about Jive Records when I'm a kid, you know? Well, it's safe to say that you've definitely gone through a lot of adversities, even coming into the game to now. I mean, you, you, you talk about being blackballed. You have this love-hate relationship with many fans throughout the year. You could say you're, you're misunderstood, slept on. You've been disregarded at times. I understand what those 
feelings are like, those vulnerabilities, those points of lows. But I want to know what changed the course of this, the narrative, the direction. What was your thought process? Because I would say if there's one thing that, you know, that I think all of us really admire about you isn't just your longevity, but the durability that you've had throughout this career of yours. Well, back in the 90s, you had to, like you said, you know, suck the label's dick. You had to, they were powerful machine, so you had to do what they said, or you couldn't have a career, you know? That was basically, because there was no internet. There was no way to get your shit out there, you know? So <clears throat> that was most of artists' ways of thinking, you know? So uh, I, uh, throughout the years, once uh, once we were able to get the music out to the world, without any big corporation of posters being pushed by, you know, high level marketing teams. And, you know, once we could just press a button on the internet and, and our shit is all over the world in one second, uh, it made things a little easier for everybody. You know, like I put out a music video, you don't got to kiss, kiss assholes to try to get it on, on a, a certain video program or, you know what I mean? Like there was nothing you had to do. There was nothing, you know, you don't got to kiss nobody's ass. You can just put out music and the world gets it now. So it was a lot easier. Back in the day, you would make the perfect song that you knew was right. And the label would be looking at it like, but it's not like this particular song that we have, which is a hit. So you need to make this song like a hit. And it's like, no, that's not what I do. I don't make that kind of song. I make this kind of hit. I don't make that kind of hit. So you, you fuck with my hits or the one that you, the, the guy that you, have a hit with right now they, they you know they want to repeat a, a successful circle you know like you know they see something's a success they want to continue it that's why in mu music so often you have the same exact sound <clears throat> going on at the same time you know and then you know months a few months later or a year later when when that gets tired then everyone does the the next sound that, that everybody explores you know <laughs> sorry <laughs> The mother of my kids thinks I have the coronavirus. I've been, uh, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. She keeps. I there. think every wife does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because because I got some. I got like really really sick yesterday, and I've been, I've been coughing, coughing a little bit. Weird. And, yeah. But anyway, and, you and and, and, and uh, no. Nah, but anyway, man, what if I did have it? Now you're cutting me off. Now, see. I we got we got we wanted. If next thing, if next thing, I'm on the fucking news, like yo, Ari got Ari dies, last interview ever. Yeah, be, be like yo, I'm the, I'm the worst interview ever. You almost tried to open up about it, yeah. And, and I, I cut, cut him off to talk about Jive Records. All right, no, I was just trying to bring up uh, every record label, which was one of my favorite tracks back in the day. I used to bump that shit all the time. Amazing record. Samples Capricorn from Cannonball Adderley. I love the fact that you use Buck Wild. You totally understood, you know, that level of production, how important it was to come across the right way. Every record label sucks dick. Every record label sucks dick. Every record label. Every record label. They suck dick. Suck dick. Fuck the new clothes, but shitty jeans. Fuck the limousines when the whole skis. You end up with no beef. There's only 50,000 heads that are true to this. The rest are clueless to what real hip-hop music is. Plus the labels think that artists are pathetic. I don't sweat it if they take the credit. I'ma send them to the medic. The industry will get your head up. You ain't shit to them, don't get fed up. Cause when you're down and out, they won't help you get up. They sit about creating your gimmicks. Sky's the limits, but to him it's something that you know. I'm an act like schizophrenic. 
I mean, what was it like using a guy like Buck Wild for a project that was still, you know? I was down with Buck since day one. Like, I knew Buck, like, the, he was only making beats for like four months or seven months. Like, he wasn't even making a beat for a year when I met Buck, you know? And in fact, he was in the studio and uh, Finesse, <coughs> Lord Finesse come in and start making for like, Go, oh, so little Buck, you want to be a producer now? And he's flicking his ear, making fun of him. Like, Buck wasn't even <laughs> a producer at the time I knew Buck. So, uh, yeah, he was just starting off. And and one of his apprentices or his boy, who used to, you know, follow him around and hang out with him in the studios was Easy LP. And Easy LP never made beats before. Then he started making beats. And I think he s- sold some beats to the, the um, oh, shit, my boy, uh, Elder Sensei and uh, uh, the Artifacts. And then Easy LP started selling beats. So so both Buck and Easy LP started doing good in the nineties. I think Easy LP did uh Blood Money he was, for Capone Yeah, Noriega. Capone Noriega. He did uh, uh Fuck Bitches Get Money for, for Biggie and Junior Mafia. But uh, um yeah, so those guys hadn't even made it well, Buck was already making beats, but like I said, for less than a year, probably four months to seven months. And and when I knew LP, he hadn't made one beat in his life yet, you know, so. Unbelievable. Yeah. Isn't there a track with you, Akinelli, and Big that Buck did that never saw the light of day? Yeah, yeah. Red Hot Love of Tone and, and Biggie and Ak. And uh, Tone said, I mean, uh, Akinelli said some funny ass shit. I think, lesbian like, I eat more pussy than the dyke. And, and, <laughs> and, and I said some fucked up shit on it, too. And, and so they said. That uh, the the label, uh, what's the guy that ran Select Records, Fred Mineo or something? Or one of them guys said, <clears throat> oh, we can't put this on the album. So uh, Red Hot Love of Tone called me and Ock and said, hey, you guys mind coming back and just changing those lines? So I called Ock and I looked up to Ock because I was a big fan of Ock, you know, Ock and Nelly. So he was, he was a little older than me. <clears throat> and, uh, and I called him up. I said, yo. Are you going to go back and record that shit over? And he was like, ah, fuck that. Nah, nah. So I was like, yeah, fuck that. Because you know, <laughs> I, I didn't record his part over. I didn't record my part over. So the song never came out. Uh, is there a copy of that floating around anywhere? You know I what? I, I had cassette tapes in my car when I was a kid, you know, and I drive my friends around and they, the fuckers used to steal the tapes out of my car because they always knew there'd be some knockout shit on there, you know? So I got so many... You know, exclusive ass tapes stolen from my goddamn car, you know, <laughs> so I don't, I don't have the tape no more. yet. Another guy that you seem to work a lot with throughout the years, and, and this is dating back what over 20 years ago, is uh, Sadat X. Um, yeah, he, he's to me one of those guys who he still doesn't get his props, such a unique individual, uh, one of a kind to me. So tell us a little bit about, you know, Sadat X working with him and, and clearly you had to be as much of a fan of, of the Nubians as, as, as we are. So that, that uh, kind of cool to have so many different collaborations with him throughout these years. Now what I expect's been lost on some bias shit Them same rap jams is what slams on the radio Do I have to pay my way to be played on 97? When I've been doing this shit on stage since I was 11 I be the underground king, the fighter of low rates And the promo date is what the black man hates Now to me I should be platinum or at least pushing gold But I ain't, so I gotta keep my soldiers in the street So we can eat Hey, this program direct at the radio can't feel me I ain't trying to jam my shit when I'm trying to be legit I am the... Legendary and I vary like the flavors from Ben and Jerry. 
Yeah, well, you know, uh, Sadat was one of my favorite, or is one of my favorite MCs of all time. And Brand Nubian is one of my favorite groups of all time. You know, it's like arguably my favorite group, hip hop group of all time. So, uh, yeah, when, when I met Sadat in the 90s, <coughs> sorry guys. Yeah, you definitely have Corona. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and he, he, uh, he really, uh, you know, took me in, man. He took me in. He didn't have to. He took me in and, you know, let me uh, work with him when he was on the top of the world. And and the rest of the world was, you know, it's after I got blackballed and all this shit. So that was like, you know, had his songs all over the radio at the time. He was he was right on the top of his game. And he was coming to fuck with me. That was really dope of Sadat, you know? It's amazing time. You know, that, that, that time in hip hop, most people don't get it. It's, uh, it's unprecedented. And we were you're definitely lucky to be a part of it. You were in the sources hip hop quotables for Uncommon Valor by uh, Jedi Mind Tricks. First off, nice to get that. Not many people understand the importance of that accolade. But did that help out your career in any way, or did you see the trajectory change after that? But I'm, I'm not so sure. I don't. I don't know what the fucking you know. I don't know. You get the quotable a month. <clears throat> the world says good things about you, and then what? You know. Then you're still you know. Not getting the money you deserve, not not having a career, you still have to. A quotable can only do so much. You still gotta fucking hustle and uh, and climb the mountain and climb the hill, uphill, uphill, uphill. When you don't have a machine, the brainwash machine, you have to work fifty fucking times harder. So, um, I think yeah, the fact that Baby Grand um, and Jedi Mind Tricks were established and did a good job promoting one of my verses. Uh, was a blessing. And even though Baby Grand, when it was coming out, they didn't even want to put me in the fucking Source Magazine ad because, I don't know, competition or whatever, because I guess <clears throat> I was with Devin at Nature Sounds and, and you know... It, Chuck's not trying to do that. Chuck, who, at that point, knows? unless you were an artist on Baby Grand, Chuck was not trying to help no, another he, he had, artist. He had other artists in the featurings, just, just not already a rugged man. Meanwhile, I gave them Uncommon Valor, you know, so... Uh, so, yeah, it was still an uphill fucking battle. Like, oh, geez, I got to fight, you know. So the, the, I got your fucking album quotable of the month and you still ain't advertising me. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, but it, it is what it is. It's all an uphill battle. Even this, I dropped this album that the world loves and it's still going to be a fucking uphill battle. So, you know, that that's part of the game. You know, it, it's a, a one man machine, a one man army you got to be when you do it independent. So it's a lot, a lot of work, a lot of headache. But, uh, you know, you keep swinging and you keep fighting and you try to get a, <clears throat> you try to get it going, you know. <laughs> do you plan at some point, once we're over all this pandemic shit, do you plan on hitting the road for this album? Well, the problem is, is that uh, my plan was to release an album that I knew the fans would go crazy for. And then uh, and then after that, go do 200 shows in 16 months, you know. And then, and then, you know, 300 shows uh, in two years, you know, like I really wanted to hit the road heavy, heavy and uh, go crazy, you know, and, and really set up my children for life off the shows. Because that's where where the money is, you know. Mm -hmm. How did um for the listeners, myself included, how did you wind up in Germany? I don't think a lot of people realize that you're now based in Germany. People probably assume like myself for years that. You know, you're 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 New York bound. The, the mother of my kids is a school teacher in Germany, and and you know she gets good health benefits, and 
she's uh, doing good for her life and herself and you know raising kids out here is, is nice you know so they got a, we got a nice house out here nice home and my kids are well provided for and uh free college if they want to do it you know uh yeah so you know we're raising them in germany the dual citizens you know they could go to america if they change their mind or they could stay here if they want to stay here but you know i want to be around my kids as much as possible you know what i mean you're going to grow old out there you're going to stay out there I don't even think I, I'm going to grow old, you know, but uh, <laughs> well, not with this coronavirus you got. I, I, never, I never thought that was an option. But yeah. Some people like Jeru went out there and stayed out there. I mean, it, it yeah, seems to be. J- J- he did it for the opposite reason. You know, European bitches love rappers. You could bang. <laughs> like you come out here, you're a star. You could fuck everything, you know. So you, rappers, you know, New York rappers, we go overseas, we go to Europe, and, and it's like an orgy every night. You know, it's like beautiful women, whoever we want to fuck, wherever we want to fuck. So, so uh, you know, I, I could see a rapper that's single saying, hey, I'll stay out in Europe, you know. <laughs> but me, I, I did it because my daughter was born. But, yeah, going out to Europe as a single rapper, um, it's going to be a good time, you know. One of my favorite uh, collabs that you had was with the Smut Peddlers. And um, I wanted to know if you would share. That's with one us. of your favorites. Tell us about the making of that video. That was my directorial debut. Yeah. The uncensored oh, version. I thought there was only an uncensored version. Why well, have a censored version? <laughs> I, well, I, I remember. I, I remember getting a VHS tape, and it said the uncensored version. So I assumed that it was a different version than what <laughs> may have leaked to uh, other media outlets. Yo, I'm just as broke as when I had no deal. I'm not too bright, my brain's like oatmeal. I used to be label mates with Shaquille O'Neal. Now I get my dick sucked in the Batmobile. I live in Long Island with a house of retards and illegal aliens that need green cards. I'm a rap legend to little weird white kids that cough shit in their arms like I don't wanna live. I'm the original dirty white gangster, rhymer, perverted rhyme writer, dirty old man. You can't trust us See his finger pop in your daughters In the back of school buses Rugged man, heavy baboon Catch me at the MTV Awards Jerking off in the bathroom KGE on, mighty my Why try, remix this shit Put it back out when I die I think I still have the VHS tape All I remember is they said, look Everything's on the internet right now The whole world's on the internet Everything, you know, you know if you want to shock them You gotta shock shock them, you know That's what so when we when they uploaded it to their server, I know the Rockets server fucking crashed over and over. It didn't have enough, you know, back in in the nineties or whatever. Two thousand, I don't remember what year it was. Ninety nine, two thousand. No, I think it was ninety nine. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. It was smart peddlers. Yeah. Yeah, but there wasn't enough uh, web power to hold the fucking clip up because so many people was watching it at the same time. You know, so. Little yeah, legendary grow- video, man. Ah, to who? <laughs> <laughs> To the indie era, yeah, we love the I indie hate, era. I hate, I hate the shit. I, actually, I don't hate. I hate. I hate the song. I I, I like the video because I think the scene where the the girl and the guy are keep throwing up on each other. I'd never seen that before. Oh, you know, so disgusting. It's why Pinky he had something to do with that. You know, he was behind the camera with me and he he helped figure out the throw up parts. You know, story. You mentioned uh, Ruckus. That was like a, a label that I think a lot of people pegged you to, to be on. And then it, it was 2004 that we actually got the 
your release on nature sounds die rugged man die but yeah no it was a weird time because uh, uh i wasn't on raucous you know i was just selling them songs you know correct so, so what happened was i started getting all these raucous fans but i couldn't put music out on raucous because i wasn't signed to raucous you know so raucous would use my name to sell it to the rugged man fans but they wouldn't extra promote me you know they promote like look at sound bomb and they, they put everybody face on it but mine you know so i I was signed to Priority Records at the time, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think I introduced them to Raucous, and that's how they got the distribution deal, uh, if I'm not mistaken, through Priority. But I might be wrong. I, I'm almost positive about that. But you were on Priority for, for what, a few years? I was on Priority, and then, and then Priority got bought out by Capital. Yeah. Correct. And, and Priority started doing distro for ruckus i remember years ago mr pete and uh introduced me to you i mean this is going back 2003 four i don't know something like that uh, shout out to mr pete i heard he has a bunch of kids does uh, he really yeah i'm still close close friends with his sister his sister oh, right. uh he introduced me to his sister decades ago <laughs> you know during the priority records thing and she was helping to produce some movie and she, she was a movie nerd you know she liked movie nerds so uh, then she ended up being an actress, you know? So her name's Tiffany Shepis. If, if you Google her, you'll see her resume. She has like fucking 200 movies under her belt. A lot oh, of low damn. budget movies. But Tiffany Shepis, that's Mr. Pete's sister. Shout out to Mr. Pete. Yeah, and we're still, we're still cool. And, and I actually, uh, Tiff came out to Germany to a convention and I, I went to see Tiff. I didn't go specifically to see Tiff, but you know, I knew she was there. And uh, I caught up with Tiff, Tiff not that long ago in Germany. You mentioned, well, uh, you kind of cringed at the fact that he brought up the bottom feeders, which brings me to my question. I, I didn't cringe. Uh, you you kind of cringed a little you bit. Guys, you guys are fucking nerds. <laughs> what can I expect? You, know, like, you kind of cringed. So I want to know, do you have material that you just cannot listen to? Your own material that yeah. He just doesn't. Yeah, of course, I think I think every artist has that where they where they know they failed, where they know that uh, man, I could do better than this. I could have did better than this. Yeah, of course. And a lot of that was when I was broke and didn't really have uh, <clears throat> didn't really have the time to do everything I wanted in the studio. You know, like so some like like there's some songs that like fans love that that I really don't like. Which you know I don't want to start naming them because. Then the fans start seeing a negative side to it. Let the fans enjoy the music, you know? Like, why should I put the little negative things that I have in my head on the songs that the fans like that are my songs, you know? But there's a couple songs from that era that, that you know, I knew. I could, like, I listened to them like, fuck, if I had time to work on a song. But it was a different time when we were working on two-inch reels and you had to, you know, record the rhyme, uh, do the chorus, uh, mix the song all in the same day in, in a big expensive studio on a two-inch reel and you you didn't have the money to go back and, and you couldn't ha keep the, the song on the board. You know, once you take the, you know, the mix down, the mix is gone. So you, that, that mix, you know, you have to, you can't afford to mix the whole thing again. So any flaws that you hear or anything you want to add, you really can't. You go, ah, that's the record. That's what, well, you know, I had my chance. That's the record. So there's a lot of records from that era where I go, fuck, man, if I had time to really fuck with this thing, I could have really made it crack, really made it great, you know? But You, know. you mentioned not influencing the fans with, with your opinions, but the fans themselves have a lot of opinions. In 2013, is that when you dropped 
Legends Never Die. I think it was 13 or, or 12, possibly. Thir- 13. You initially got some harsh criticism from your fans, be it longtime fans or, or fans that maybe just jumped on in 08 when, when that source rhyme of the month happened because of some of the guest spots. They're like, this is not the rugged man that, uh, you know, that uh, I'm paraphrasing, but this is not the rugged man that they're accustomed to. You worked with Tech 9. Um, it was just kind of a different, a different path, if you will. Now, it doesn't mean that you know, it didn't age well or, or that no, many of those that people. Might, I, I don't think, I, I, re- I really, really remember the feedback from Legend Never Die being tremendously good as well. I don't remember the feedback. I think that's more like your circle of people. Yeah, it was a brutal system, a superstition, new superstition that you were Christian. School religion is a cool depiction. They can blind your hearing, they can mute your vision. When the dirt burns, slithering earthworm, leave you like MJ with a hit in the burnt firm. Soon to be unity, murder me, what could you do to me? This is foolery, I'm a hooligan, leaving you drooling when I'm beating you brutally, slapping your bitch and taking your jewelry. Your mama crying when she reading your eulogy. Let me slow down, put your toe down. I got enough flow for it to go round. This is profound, you a pro clown with a coke frown and the old sound. I'm like selling the heroin and giving the needle. I'm in your cerebral, this wiggle is evil, limit the people, piss in the cathedral, aborting your mission like a position that's fetal, my impolite stairs, give them nightmares, burn them like the bush, give them white hairs, driving and chucking your ass, suffering and tuck your tears, don't fuck with the gutter trash, don't fuck with the upper class, sellers and buyers, political liars, the drug suppliers, the fake messiahs, is it negative energy hiding your identity, every enemy wishing they were shooting me like a Kennedy, I spit at Satan and I kick his face and make him lick the pavement for misbehaving. Yeah, like that's my, like, the internet like, message board circle. Yeah, then. Like, like, like we like smut peddlers, we only like the smut peddlers, this isn't like raucous, this isn't the stuff we came up on. You know, I think only those guys. I don't. I don't think it was like real heads because when when Legends Never Die came out, like the, it was another one where it was like the the positive feedback was astounding. Like I was like, holy shit! Like the, it was a lot, a lot, a lot of love once again. But yeah, there's always gonna be dudes that are stuck on like like if you listen to Legends Never Die, if if it was a diehard Jedi mind trick fan that strictly wants you know renegade uh, rah rah music, you know. They might not fuck with something like, uh, you know, still get through the day or, or one of the personal records, you know, or, or but, you know, you make, you know, I knew when I was doing that record that doing the softer shit was going to, um, you know, some people don't understand the softer shit or when I was doing something a little more personal or emo or when I was doing something a little more double time and modern, but y- you can't let that fear of like, what if they don't get it? You can't can't let that sway your music because that destroys music. That destroys everybody's music when they're like, we have to fit in exactly to this box that they want me in. You know, th- then your music's never going to grow. You have to go inside the box you want to be in, make what you want to make, and put it the fuck out. And, and if the fans see your vision, that's a blessing. If they don't see your vision, as long as you're happy and you know that this is something you're proud of, and you know it's something really great that you did, you know, uh, you, you know, people stuck on the old shit, let them be stuck on the old shit. And then you, you say, okay, then, then I'm just going to gravitate towards the fans that do love my shit, you know? You can't worry about nobody. Um, you know, do your job and let the world hear it. If the world gravitates towards it, they do. But honestly, Legend Never Die when it came out, I remember the fan response. You know, obviously... Um, 
mainstream media response is never gonna you know they 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 look for the puppet rapper that's famous to give good accolades to because if they write something good about a famous puppet rapper then the famous puppet rappers label and connections and are gonna do more for the writer you know but like if they're just writing about a regular ass rapper who's a regular ass person all the benefiting is that regular ass rapper you know they're, they're only benefiting Ari the rugged man they're not uh benefiting and you know a corporation or or a big machine or or a powerful um human you know they're just representing a great lyricist and a great music maker you know so that album legends never die i think personally was the the most growth you had it was the best production you've had so props for that one yeah did you hear what he said yeah, well, what he said is is similar to the response that I remembered. Not, not you got this tremendous amount. Of, I, I don't remember that hate. I really don't. Well, I, I don't know if it was hate, but I, I think I'm. You're you're an artist, so you see things differently. Where I may uh, hear no, somebody say some stupid shit about my shit. I see that. I'm, I'm well, like, no, no. I think the transition from die rugged man die. By the way, I'm not saying, hey, I think Let's Never Die is not a good album or anything. What I'm saying is there is a noticeable difference, okay, for me at least. And I know initially, at least in my forms, whether it's, you know, undergroundhiphop.com, Hip Hop Infinity, whatever it was back then, fill a flavor, uh, the initial was hip hop underground hip hop.com. I think the record was number one for like six weeks in a row. <laughs> those are the blogs that didn't like no, those are the motherfuckers that loved it. <laughs> I didn't say they didn't like it, but they, they said this is a little different side. The hooks were a little bit different. Production maybe you change. Look, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it was that was the noticeable thing to the people that I am connected yeah, the with. Nerds, if you the, will. the fucking nerds. <laughs> well, but the nerds are the ones that buy the tickets and the t-shirts and, and the albums. I don't you know. know. I, I did pretty good off the last one. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're taking it as I'm. Um, I'm saying you didn't do well with that album. I'm simply saying no, no, there was I'm a difference. Saying, I, though. No, no. What I'm what I'm saying historically, I don't want to rewrite history. I'm I'm saying historically, I remember when the record dropped people hit you up you get you get your inboxes flooded you know yeah. you, you get messaged all over the, the tweets and this and that and people are hitting you up to tell you how they feel about the record so like yes you would say oh this this big amount and no no it was it was the majority of the responses was you know uh uh pretty similar to this one like wow 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 you know it was a lot of wow 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 it's not too many uh not too many negatives from the rugged man you know Talk about for the, you and your circle. Well, I, I think you missed I mean, that. I have meet most people talking about how, how they, uh, you know, they, they, their whole um, life changed after they heard the record. I got, I got responses like that with Legends Never Die. It was crazy, you know, like uh, the record saved their life and, you know, shit like that I was hearing, you know. And, you know, you act like we didn't have, you know, records with Talib Kweli and, you know, Legends Master A's and Sadat X and Brother Ali. And we had legends on that record, too, you know, so everybody got what they wanted, you know, except for you and a couple of people. Well, see, I don't think you know me very well. You don't know me at all, but that's not at all what I was trying to imply. I'm simply stating there was a difference. And I, maybe it was growth. Maybe you no longer became that asshole that you've been known to be for many years. Oh, no, I'm, I'm you matured. Can't, can't you tell? <laughs> no, no. But what I was getting at is you have a lot of fickle fans. Okay? You have people that 
have a love-hate relationship with you throughout the years. Not and as you. you progress, as you mature, yes. you know, you have your yes. father now. You're married. Not and, you know, you as the listeners mature, you're talking about 2013 and now 2020. There's a lot of growth there, you know. So I think in time, sometimes music itself ages better. When you mention, you know, you drop music at a horrible time. Well, you know what? Good music is going to speak for itself, whether it's now or next April. I mean, it's still going to be there. So when people still listen to, you know, all my heroes are dead in a year from now, it doesn't matter when you dropped it. It's still good music. You know what I'm saying? So the point I was trying to get at, not that, hey, your album sucks and my message board people said it wasn't good. No, it was, hey, did you hear? Did you feel? Did you see that difference and how did you deal with it because you mentioned prior to that I, I, question but i just i just told you yeah. the exact opposite i told you i didn't. I, I know but so i saw a tremendously positive I, the, well, I really did and i seen my followers not just double they tripled they quadrupled they they five times six times more like i i, I actually when i dropped legend never die i saw more love than i've ever gotten my entire career like 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 non-stop shows and non brand new fans that I never even knew I had. Like, like it was, it was a big time up to that point. And, and, and now um, that I'm dropping this new album, I'm hoping when we go back on the road and be with the, the fans that it's going to be a very similar, um, similar thing. I'm hoping, I'm hoping we just reinvent the career every time we, we come out with a record. That's what, what you hope for, you know? I'll say we talk about the new record. Well, yeah, I was getting that. We just went a few rounds. I figured that was a <laughs> a good boxing segue. <laughs> Everyone catch their breath. This guy's coughing. I knew he was going to be in bad shape when you're like, one of my favorite songs is the Smart Paddlers. I was like, oh, this guy. With them. <laughs> uh, that wasn't me who said that. Uh, <laughs> That's like, he's literally name dropping like the worst song I was ever on in my career. <laughs> uh, that wasn't me, though. I, I, I That was a way, way dropped off who said that was uh, his favorite song. All right, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to chime in and not break up. On your new record, you have Chuck D, which is one of my personal idols in the hip hop world. How did you go about choosing him to get on that track? And uh, being from Long Island, did he have an impact on you? Chuck is like one of the most supportive uh, people, period, in hip hop. Like he supports all hip hop from the super super OGs. Like you know, if Cool Mo D puts out a new song. You know, in 2019, Chuck D will play it on his radio station. You know, if if uh, a young cat from that no one ever heard of put out a new song that Chuck likes, Chuck will play it. You know, Chuck is just one of these super hip hop heads that like support all music, you know, all hip hop. It ain't worth the paper it's printed on, back by the Pentagon, ass kicking going on. Gross national product. Meaning war is the answer. Another missile. Officer, overseer, gun kill, night stick, choke holes, your clan hero, market, sang a population controller, eugenicist, globe owner, you can buy shares, operation, depopulation, the Bill Gates billionaires, speaking prejudice from tongue, where the venomous come from, and the heretics scum run, begin Genesis 1-1, the government become guard, bomb mosques and burn churches, kill for black liquid beneath the earth's surface. He's a super superman in this business, you know. So me and Chuck been in touch. I worked with him on some like little indie thing a while back, and then for this project, I said, "Hey, uh, I wrote this song about uh, corporations and governments and and uh, money, and uh, I'd like to uh, see if you could uh, 
do these choruses here, you know, and, and he was with it. He said, yeah, send it to me, you know. I would have loved the production style to be a little more Bomb Squad-esque, bringing that shit back a bit, but it was just great to hear him on a track, you know? <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> on Gotta Be Dope, number nine, uh, with Jazzy and Afro. Some amazing feats on that record. It really stands out. It's hard as fuck, and I can only imagine, like, that had to take takes to get that down that was truly amazing are you getting are you getting you know is that one of the songs there that you're getting um the most uh feedback on as far as being a real standout on the album and can you kind of refresh the audience on how you discovered afro well the song i'm getting the most feedback from right now are the ones that we released right before the album you know Mm -hmm. because there wasn't a whole album out so they didn't listen to 15 tracks at the same time so like we released Dragon Fire with Wu Tang and Kooji Rap uh, like a week before the album, so that really exploded, you know. And we released a song, uh, Golden Oldies with Atmosphere, about a month or so before the album, and that really exploded, you know. And right now, um, the song "Who Do We Trust" with Immortal Technique is really, really getting a lot of uh, uh, traction. But um, "Got to Be Dope" is up there too, you know. Uh, I discovered Afro. He was a 16 year old kid. He could out rap everybody. So, so I put him under my wing, you know. And uh, he's just a, a flow beast, a flow murderer, you know. Afro. You already know that I'm hand snatching, black padding around me. A matter of fact, you flabbergasted, mad had a rap is astounding. Listen to water bottle, you swallow with all the followers. Now it's a hundred dollars a track with a avocado. Listen within the notebook that I wrote previously, except it's restyling at the moment, so you know that I'm devious. And suckers previous, you know that I rap it. Then again, it's kind of something like the law of attraction. Matter of fact, I had to get the fingers and sprinkle the type of leaf in the sink with the siphon shreep and the leaf and the siphon sheep. Afro. I had a rap contest on the internet. There was a lot of kids in it. You know, there was the kid Token, you know, who's doing very well for himself mm-hmm. right now. Uh, and um, Jav, who's like incredible. <laughs> um, um, Hex One. There was like a really lot of super dope people on that that contest. And um, yeah, Fro, you know, I liked him the most because of the vocal tones, you know, like he could outflow everybody, but his vocal tones was like, Sounded like an OG from the era of hip hop I loved, where voices really fucking meant something, you know. Voice is important, man. I mean that that's one of the main things I look for too. One my one of my favorite voices in hip hop, Brother J. Yeah, well, Brother J. Yeah, because the delivery is one of the best at the delivery out of anyone ever. That's right. Know? Brother J's a, a monster. You know, he, he's you know when you listen to an X Clan, it, it's all sorry, it's all. Uh, it's all pro- projection and, and clarity, and it's some of the best projection and clarity ever in, in rap, you know? Yeah, <coughs> I agree. Well, I you agree. know, if you want to go back even further, look at Ecstasy from Houdini, you know? That's that's projection at its finest, you know? Yeah. What about Inspector Deck? He had a verse on here that I think a lot of people may say is, is up there or, or the, the best verse he's had since Clouds on, on someone else's uh 
record. I'm an 88er. Straight from the days of the pissy elevator. Teeny boppers, graffiti rockers, cops and jealous haters. Dangerous back blocks, crack rocks and mad cops who clap shots. Aiming to kill and steal a stash box from psycho niggas fighting with whites and acidics. Remember Willie Turks, you said Hawkins and Michael Griffith and why prolific. Kicked it with the low lights and decepts who squeeze text. G-tech and niggas for weak checks. Sinners to dark minds, victims of hard times. Pan Am Flight 103, Central Park 5. Thank Reagan for making deals. Kingpins, who would think that we see an M's all the shipments that slipped in 88 up? Deck is a monster, he's one of the best that ever lived, you know. And uh, you know, he he handed me that verse, so I was like, Holy shit, you know. And he said, He said, Yo, man, I'm gonna be on a record with you, I gotta make sure that I come with it. That's the yeah, no <laughs> doubt, so so yeah, we really did something special with that one. I really think that shit came out great, and Deck really killed it, killed it, you know. I love it. You want to hear something crazy? We recorded that a while ago, and we were planning on just putting it out in the streets, not on an album or nothing. It was like, yo, let's shoot a video and just put it out in the streets. And uh, that was the game plan. And then I kind of had my boy Cap come in there and throw some hard drums on there. And my boy came in with flutes and and, and, and the horns. And and it just started sounding like, you know, and, and Mr. Green did, did the, the, the samples and... and, and the cuts and uh it just sounded special so i said you know what man don't just throw this into the street man put this shit out on an album and then i i did a live stream the other day with uh deck and he was like yo have you, you know we're looking forward to the new album this and that and and he said yeah that song he didn't know it was on this he's like yo that's on this album he's like yo that's incredible i didn't know that was on this he like he had no idea that the shit was coming out on this album. He thought we, we, it wasn't coming out yet, you know? So he, he was like, whoa, that's a dope surprise. <laughs> it's a great track. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of good tracks on here. And, and I, I continue to say it's the best album of the year thus far. Let's talk about one of the producers on the album, though. Uh, Prince Paul. That took me by surprise because I was... I was reading the credits and I'm like, oh shit, Prince Paul's on here. So I mean, another cat from Long Island. Let's let's talk about that. I mean, working with Paul, one of the greatest of all time. But uh, to get a beat from him for this album, that had to be special. Well, you know what happened was uh, me and Prince Paul had a group together that uh, that never came out, but it was <clears throat> it was a secret group. We kept it under under cover. You know, we kept it. Uh, you know, we didn't let the world know, but uh, it was Prince Paul, and it was gonna be me, already rugged man, and and Bumpy Knuckles, uh, Freddie Fox. Oh shit! We started we started recording songs and working together, and then uh, you know, one day I was in Prince Paul's basement, and he was playing me like all this unreleased stuff, like a Chub Rocks joint or like a Slick Rick joint, like all these unreleased Prince Paul productions. And I was like, oh shit, man, these are crazy. And then this one beat came on and I was like, that shit is fucking crazy. What What the, who, who used that? And he was like, nah, that's just a beat. So that beat was like some shit he made during his Slick Rick and Chub Rock days, like 1992 or something. And God. I was like, yo, do you have the files for that? Can, can I use that? And he was like, yeah, sure. So so that, that was like a, a fucking vintage, vintage, prime prince paul beat and uh and yeah that 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 you know he let me use it so for that particular song when we were talking about a throwback in history of life <coughs> and, and you know uh, the growth in life 
uh, it was dope to use like a, a authentic, you don't get any more authentic than that track because it was the legendary Prince Paul in the, the height of his golden career, you know? So, you know, it was really a blessing, you know? I, I really, I really, you know. I was going to say, when did you record with Paul and, and uh, Freddie Fox? Around what time? That was a long time ago because uh, it was a little bit like the year after my dad died because that was 2010 my dad died, so my guess would be 2011, maybe okay. 2012. So, so almost a decade ago. This, okay. Yeah. like uh, uh, Prince Paul introduced me to to Freddie and a couple days later uh, when my father passed away Freddie Fox showed up to the funeral so that was respect that was love so stand uh, up dude oh he's the best like if you guys know Bumpy Bumpy's literally like the best dude ever like there's nobody cooler than Bumpy in the game he also has crazy stories like the stories with with him uh, and, and Ray Benzino on the flavor unit bus you know what I'm talking about Nah, but I, I knew I heard stories from Gangstar too about you know him hiding weapons under the bus, right? Like, what was that? Was that Gangstar? So, yeah. So uh, the Almighty RSO, I I don't know if they were signed to the Flavor Unit Management or they were part, but I guess Benzino was talking something many years ago. This is way before the source, and uh, the story goes that that Bumpy put a put a gun in his mouth to make him shut the fuck up yeah, and it's bumpy that's bumpy. yeah no, nobody's fucking with bumpy and then of yeah. course the land speed bob perry stories that you hear all the time uh he was owed money for the industry shakedown and he, he drove all the way up to boston or wherever land speed was was at and uh, demanded to get paid because he was owed money for quite some time and uh kind of like a suge knight vanilla ice situation and uh, Bob Perry, who who owned Land Speed Records, uh, gave him his money. So yeah. so Bumpy's not to be fucked with. From yeah, well, I mean, another, regardless there's, of there's another one. Uh, I remember he punched the shit out of somebody. Somebody put it on in, the internet. So Bumpy didn't want it on the internet. He said, "You know, come on." So he went to the guy that posted it and made him dead all the tapes and like he got it off the internet pretty fast too. That was you know wow. Bumpy. See the thing Enforcer. is Bumpy see see a lot of people talk the talk. I mean talk it, talk it, talk it, you know? Bumpy's the kind of guy if you're respectful to Bump, he literally like he'll be your best friend, your brother. Like Bump is the realest dude in the game like that. You know, uh he's a shooter. He's a he's a he's a he's a tough guy, you know, and it's real. So, uh, crazy Long Island guy, you know, (laughs) you, uh, you spoke about, uh, Prince Paul, but you also use it, a a great underground producer shroom out of Amsterdam. Not many people in the States know about, uh, he produced uh, Dragonfire on this album for you guys. I happen to think he's amazing. So, uh, and, and he talks about shroom. Oh yeah. Shroom is a great, great dude. And, and I worked a lot with Shroom actually. Like I worked a lot with him on this album, but there's so many. So that's the problem of working with me is, uh, I try to fit everything into an album. So even if we do something that works as a song, if it doesn't fit the album, I kind of don't use it or I change it, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, 
Shroom did a couple of the We got killer glocks, loaded up with killer shots to kill a cop, playing a block with killer rocks, high voltage guns that let off killer watts, big CeeLo games that only got killer knots, nothing but killers in here, that is straight kill your career, the bullshit is killing my ears, killer red carpet gear, the killer premiere, this is Ghostface killer, no killer with gear, killer fashion, watch out, killer with rose, with the classic wallabies, with the colorful souls, my killer actions, leave fake killers exposed, there's no relaxing, when you see my killers on patrol, we got killers on parole, that's real ill since Bill Bill, Gotta fuck around and kill Bill Born in the killer Stapletown thriller Ghostface killer Yo, it only get realer Shroom did a couple of the joints And um, we, I, went out to, I went out to his crib And we sat there with a live band For like two, three days And worked together But um, yeah, not to He also did drums on uh, Living Through the Screen uh, But he originally did the, the whole entire track, but the sample we were planning on using, the sample he used, I think they wanted like some crazy 100% publishing. It was like some crazy amount, whatever. And, and so we just were like, all right, let's remake the song, you know? So so my guy from, from Caravan Palace, my man Hugo, he had his guys go in there and sing parts and sample and play guitars. And they really, 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 Brought living through the screen to life, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, Shroom's a pleasure to work with. He's he really dope. is. He's he's a pleasure, you know. So I, I love Shroom. Yeah, Ra, before the interview, um, we were all listening to the uh, the boxing freestyle, which, um, admittedly, I don't think I've ever heard before, and uh, I think without question, that's probably the best rap I've ever heard when it comes to boxing. Obviously, you're a huge fan. I'm a big boxing fan as well. Um, well, when it comes to boxing, what was the fight that brought you to the sport? Everybody has one. Well, the first fight I remember, remember, <clears throat> was the first uh, Ray Leonard versus Roberto Duran because my father was a huge fight fan and uh, he kept telling me how Sugar Ray Leonard was going to whoop Duran's ass, you know? And then Duran won. So I was a little kid, like, oh, my dad doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, my, my father don't really, he told me this guy. <laughs> so that was what, I was like disappointed in my father's prediction, you know, as a kid, because you trust your father, you know? <laughs> so that's, our, I, that was my earliest, earliest memory, you know? And other memories, we, we watched a lot of Larry Holmes fights together. He loved Larry Holmes, you know? So Larry Holmes I rem- doesn't get I rem- enough credit. Oh, he's the greatest ever. But uh, I remember, um, you know, being in Long Island, that's where Jerry Cooney's from. So, and you'd go to school and all the white boys would be like, Jerry Cooney's going to kill him. Jerry Cooney's going to kill him. And, and, and my, well, well, Jerry Cooney was, was a monster left hook monster. He, he, he's underrated too. But, uh, um, but, uh, my father was like, come on, Larry Holmes going to box that guy's ears off. Larry Holmes, come on, Larry Holmes, that boy ain't beating Larry Holmes. So uh, everybody in school, though, my art teacher was like, Jerry Cooney, left hook, he's going to knock him out. Jerry Cooney, everybody was talking about Jerry Cooney. And then uh, that one my dad got right, you know, uh, uh, Larry Holmes boxed the shit out of him and knocked him out. So, you know, and then I remember when they took his belt and gave it to Michael Spinks, and then they had the rematch and like he dominated him in the rematch too. And, and then like the decision came and they gave, they kept, they gave it to Michael Spinks. My father had went in the bathroom. Like he, oh, he's like, oh, Larry won. Great. He thought the fight was over. He went in the bathroom. 
Then I would, then they announced Michael one. I said, and I knocked on the bathroom door. I said, Daddy, Daddy, they, they gave it to the wrong guy. They gave it to. He's like, What? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. He, he what? He, he was in shock. He could not believe that uh, Michael Spinks uh, got the decision against Larry Holmes in that second fight. He was in shock. Yeah. I feel like uh, Tyson Fury reminds me a little bit of Larry Holmes. Just big skill well, guy. Does doesn't well, look like they'd be that all be all that great, but damn, really good boxer. Great skills. Well, you know, you know, he, he's a he's a super talented boxer, and he he does come from that soulful uh, boxing dancing. Like his his idols are Larry Holmes and Muhammad Ali. Those are his idols, you know. So that's who he studied. I saw Tyson Fury at Disneyland in Paris, and I said, Larry, he's like, yo, I love Larry. He told me he loved Larry. He's like, Larry's, oh, my God. And then Muhammad Ali, but yeah, Larry Holmes was great. He gave Larry Holmes a lot of do, you know? Yeah. You ever go to see fights live? Yeah, I used to go all the time back in the day. Yeah, seen a million fights live, yeah. Mostly in New York or Vegas or what? Vegas, New York, Cali, you know? But I, I remember one time, I got front row seats to the to the Hopkins and De La Hoya's uh, fight because I was, you know, I was writing for some magazines and they, they were able to get me like front row at the press section. And if you're doing press for a fight, you're not supposed to cheer. You're supposed to, you know, sit down quiet and, and take notes and write. You're not allowed to cheer because you're a writer, you know. And uh, I was screaming, cheering when he knocked out Oscar De La Hoya with the body shot. I was jumping. Yeah. And every, everybody shot. was looking at yeah, everybody was looking at me like, yo, this guy's the worst. Who is this fucking asshole? Get him out of here, you know? <laughs> hey, you say you were in the front row? Because I feel like I saw you on HBO one time. I, w- I was, I was, it wasn't front, front row, like, uh, like you know, front seats. It was always front row. Like, like first you know, three it, or four? No, no, no. It's the front front, but it's not like where the people sit. It's where the press sit. Yeah. So it's the press yeah, row, yeah. it's called, you know? So I'm, I was always sitting in the press row. I could be basically right next to the ring, you know. Yeah. Who's your uh, top? Who's your top three pound for pound right now? What do you think? I'm so out of touch, man. I'm really out nah, of touch. You know him. You fight. know him. No, I, I am. I'm out of touch right now. It's like, uh, yeah, I've never been this out of touch with the fight game. You know, like the world. What would they? I guess they expect me to say Lemoncheco or whatever, Lemoncheco. But uh, I'm not sure. You know, I, I think he's. He's dope, but I, I see, see, like they act like he's like this super superhero, super gifted talent, and 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 he he appears to be, but I don't know. He looks beatable to me, but maybe I'm crazy. I mean, he he, I mean, he destroyed some really great great fighters easily. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know right now. Did you ever meet uh, Max Kellerman over yeah, the years? I, I actually. I'm very close with the family. I, I knew the brother Sam before he passed away too, and I'm, I'm very close with Jack. And I was actually at Sam's funeral, you know, with Max. And, and uh, oh wow, oh I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, I know the family very well, very well. Yeah, that's a crazy them. story about Sam. Crazy yeah, story. It's a sad story too. It's a very sad. sad. Story. He was on public access in New York City back in the day when he was still kind of yeah, a hip hop. Public head. access show and, yeah, and yeah. the public access show and 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 and, and all of that stuff was great, you know. So. He's a huge hip hop head, so that naturally it's why I figured uh, you oh, guys cross paths. Well, that's how we did cross paths because Sam and Jack made beats, and MTV wanted me to come up to to. They were doing some a show called Lyricist Lounge, I think it was, or one one of them type of shows. It was like yeah. a rap show like that, and uh, 
what happened was, uh, so I showed up and sitting in the lobby was Max. And Max had just had his ESPN show. I said, yo, I like what you're doing, man. You you know your shit. And his brothers was like, yo, R.A., R.A. the Rugged Man. And, and, and so we all kind of knew each other, but we didn't know each other, but we you knew who each other's were. So, so Max was like, yo, my brothers do beats. You should come by the crib. You know, they'll play you some joints. You know, so we all just stayed in touch, and then we became very close through the years. You know, I have a few uh, who wins for you. Give me your uh, give me your take on it real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bud Crawford and Errol Spence. Who wins that fight? Ah, that's a tough one. You know, I, I I'm rooting for Bud. I like Bud. You know, yeah. I think he would win. Also, who wins? 1984 Hagler or 05 Hopkins for the middleweight title? Oh, you know what's crazy is you, you're uh, you're naming my two favorite fighters ever. You know, so uh, you know Hagler is more naturally. Ah, I hate this one. I hate this question. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, what year? But what year? Hopkins. Oh five. Oh five. Uh, yeah, I'll go with Hagler. Who wins? Oh eight Med- Mayweather. Eighty two Sugar Ray. Oh, Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar See, Ray I Leonard. think so, too. I think so, too. All of those guys, Hagler, Sugar Ray, Prime, Just Roberto tougher. Duran. Uh, tougher. It's a different era. Hearns would not right, come cold. Like, Hearns would not make without cold. Like, it wouldn't even be. Like, Hearns would not yeah, come too long. cold. Like, too long. He, like, Mayweather wouldn't even be the same human being after that one. Had to had to do the boxing dork out, man, because uh, it's not often that we get to talk to somebody that knows as much about boxing. Yeah, are your listeners gonna care? No, no, no. Hell no! no. I'm snoozing myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, really like rapping. Since we're talking like obviously ridiculous topics now, whatever happened to Sean the White Rapper, who used to call up Howard Stern all the time and say he was Ari the Rugged Man? How do you know that guy? I mean, if you listen to Stern, you know throughout the years who, who these people are. And I mean, for I would say for a good two, three years, this guy would call up all the you time know, and say. Know, that's, that's that's funny that you mentioned him because uh, so, so, he listens to everything. So he'll probably hear this. There are also another installment of Extreme Fan featuring the White Rapper, which is an amazing segment because I knew nothing about this guy. And this guy is some fan. If you think you're a fan of the Howard Stern show, you think twice. What's your name? Uh, Sean Michaels. He remembers. Sean Michaels. On a CD at Howard Beach, remember you were like, hey, aren't you the white rapper? Do you remember that? Okay. All right. I think he said that uh, R.A., the rugged man, was behind it. Oh, Oh, this is a funny phone call? Sean is still around, and you can find him on the internet on the clown call. Clown car, something, something. But he, you know, he's uh, he Afro loves that guy. He, he stays Afro stays at his house all the time, and um, he actually delivered Afro's album to the engineer. You know, the hard drive because we're looking for the hard drive. So he's still on the scene. But but uh, if you want to find him on the internet, Clown Car. What I, I, what was I, his I, connection I, to you? Why why would he always? Because he's a maniac. Sean's a fucking psychopath. And he becomes friends with rappers and he just fucking overwhelms them with his fucking craziness. He's a crazy motherfucker, you know? 
Um, he, he's he, clown car NYC. Go go look him up on the internet. Did uh? Um, did you know he did that? Or, or I don't know if you listen to Stern, but maybe you heard from people. But I mean, yeah, no, no. What what happened? Everybody would be like, "Yo, you called Howard Stern today?" I'm like, "No, I don't call. I don't. No, I never call. I don't even listen to Howard Stern. I know I didn't call Howard Stern. So uh, you know, it was the white rapper, you know, and uh, he uh. He, he's 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 a good guy. He's just a crazy guy. He he became best friends with uh with ODB. He was with ODB every day before ODB died, and he uh you know he, he's a good guy, Sean. He's just crazy, you know. I mean, you know, he's a crazy man, you know. All right, one last thing because I know uh, it's getting late. But speaking of crazy, how crazy would it have been if you got Uncle L on, on this album? And I believe that was a possibility. Yeah, I tried to get L, but I didn't have the right track, you know. We all wanted the right track for that one, you know. So I wanted LL on the album, you know. I think we'll still work together in the future, hopefully, you know. You've worked with the greats. You've worked with G-Rap. I mean, LL's got to be right up there at the top for you as uh, one of the greatest uh, to ever do it. Yeah, unquestionably, yep. Let's try one last question, Jay, before I... Oh, Jesus. Let's Go try ahead. Yo, yo, one last question. Honestly, let me ask you something. Did you guys actually listen to the album? You talked about everything except the actual lyrics oh, in the, the album. the fucking record's great. You could have stopped me at the intro. The intro was the best fucking track. The, the, the way that it switches up, your style switches up three, four different ways. Amazing, man. Well, I think we talked about Malice of Mama. We talked about the joint with Afro. Gotta be dope. We talked about uh, Ed Koch, New York. We talked about Slayer's Club. The only thing I didn't really talk about was uh, Golden Oldies with Atmosphere, but I figured you've already said that story a hundred times. I was kind of sparing you uh, that whole spiel about how that whole thing happened and why it happened. Yeah, okay, okay. Right? I I just, you know... uh, I think it's an in-depth interview. When you hear the playback, which you said you're not going to listen to it, but if you do, because... I I know. In the quarantine, like we have anything else to do... we definitely covered the new album. We could still cover it more. I just didn't want to be redundant. Oh, we talked about uh, Prince Paul, Life of the Party. I mean, I, I want to I say we've talked about seven joints off this album. You know what it is? There's, there's like 20 songs on there. So, you know, no, I'm just kidding. All right, fellas, that sounds good. So, uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Re- real quick, R- real quick, R.A., this is the last question from me, from the one who keeps breaking up. We always have a debate on this show on hip hop's best year. I'm an 88 dude straight up. We have a 93 guy, a 94 guy. What 88, your... unquestionably. Unquestionable. It's not even close. Do you There's want no to go into that close. at all? I mean, that is it's not, not, not even a year even close. It's not, not even a year even close to competitive with 88. It's everything. I'm with everything. you. Yeah, it's not even. Who, who could say a different year than that? I don't know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, look, before. You get off. Uh, I know it's been fun mixing it up. I'm kind of like emotionally drained, and I, you must be because you've been coughing an awful lot. So I mean, you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, the baby mama trying to tell me I got corona. Yeah, you, you know you might, but all kidding aside, it's been fun, and and I do really enjoy the album despite my nerdism. Get those nerds! I was trying to, you know, make you laugh a little bit, you know. And I'll be happy if you listen to the show and you say, all right, you know, that was a pretty good in-depth interview. Here's the problem is I talked it already. Do I really want to spend an hour and a half listening to myself talk? I do interviews. It's me talking. It's not really that interesting to me. You know, 
it, it, it don't matter who I was talking to. It's me talking about blah, 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 blah. blah. Like, yeah. do, you listen, do, you, do you listen to your album after you drop it? Well, the problem with that is you don't want to. You know, you, you worked so hard on it all these hours and getting the rhymes right and then getting the recording right and then getting the choruses right, then getting the mixes right and then getting the mastering right. And you, you listen to it over and over in every step. And then um, and you don't want to, but now you have to go perform concerts. So you have to memorize all the songs and look for the parts of the songs that would work best for live concerts. And then you have to listen to the songs every night for 20, 30 years while you're doing live at shows, you know? So yeah, yeah, you do listen to it afterwards. The worst shit in the world is when you, uh, when you, you know, uh, somebody picks you up from the train station, you're getting ready to do a show that night and you hop in their car and, and they got your shit playing loud. You're like, yo, shut the shit off, I'll kill you, you know? Yeah. All right, my man, I know it's late there, so I appreciate you giving us your time. And, uh, <laughs> I hope this is. I hope you, this is not your last interview. I kind of feel like Pac driving down like the L.A. Strip before he got taken out. Like this might be it for you. I'm fine. All right. All right, y'all. <laughs> Stay healthy, man. It's good talking to you. Have a good one, brother. Hey, yo, yo. This is the one and only R.A. the Rugged Man, and I'm checking out Taking Personal Radio with DJ 360, Kevlar, Philip Flavor, and A.A. Ron. Yeah, all my heroes are dead. In stores now. Well, we hope you've enjoyed listening to episode 64 with R.A. the Rugged Man. Remember to check out our Patreon page or cop some cool merch from our store to help your favorite podcast. Because we are your favorite podcast, right? Anyway, thanks again from all of us here at Take It Personal Radio. Roger the announcer. Out. We're not going to hurt you. No, no. Got some nice presents for you. Be a good little fella now and open the door. (laughs) 